course, all of you know we've been in this series called Unhurried, Slowing Down and Finding Life, and I have loved this series. It's been personally very challenging for me. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for all of you who uh, are kind of wrestling with what God is doing in your life. And uh, these are difficult things to apply. And so we did something unique last week. We had a panel discussion here on the stage and uh, we also uh, did something that I think we're gonna do more of and that is we published a text line and that text line allowed you to ask questions and for us to answer them. And so we wanna continue to do that. I'm gonna answer one of the questions that came through and I wanna read it here. It's, uh, it says, what kind of rest helps people recharge without becoming escapism or vice? How can we tell how much we need rest and how much is just us pushing God away to indulge ourselves? Now, I don't know about you, but this, this question really hit me. I wanna answer this question today because it's personal to me. I think it's a very thin line between taking time to recharge and rest and then just vegging out in front of the TV. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Like my, so if I, if I talk about my vices, I, I, I don't have many, but ESPN is one of them. And I, 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 like the Super Bowl today, I, I, I love football, so I'll watch it because I love football. And uh, I hope Joe Burrow wins. I think it's gonna be awesome if Joe Burrow can win because I just think he's a young kid and he's at the beginning of his uh, career and it's gonna be fun to watch and see if he can do that. But, I, <clears throat> but I, I, think, I think sometimes like, like football can just become this idol in our lives. Um, any number of things can become vices that we just enter into. We check out of real life and kind of, we forget about everything for a few hours. I mean, truth be told, I always DVR football games. I can't, I can't conceive, like today will seem like forever as we watch the football game. Like because I, I can't watch all the, all the stuff in between. Now today the commercials will be fun, but normally I just speed through the commercials. And there's something about just, like when we, when we dive into something like this for escapism, it's not the way we recharge or rest. It's, it's not the right kind of slowing down that we're talking about. Although there's nothing wrong with football, although there's nothing wrong with sports, it can be used for either good or evil in our lives. And I think God has a, a way of helping us understand what's slowing down and being unhurried, even if we're speeding through the commercials. <laughs> even if, even if, even if we, we feel like we have a lot to do, that Jesus has a pace that he's trying to teach us. As we've said, if you ask anybody on the street, uh, like, how are you doing? And they'll say what? Busy. I'm doing good, just busy. Just busy, and that means it's, I'm important, I'm needed, I'm big time, right? Like we use it as that, but because no one ever says, I'm bored. <laughs> I watch a lot of Netflix, and last week I uh, wasted four hours uh, scrolling through uh, TikTok. Nobody ever says that, even though they do it. We're busy working, here's some stats on work. Most of us work way more than 40 hours a week, with an office that we carry around in our hands. <laughs> right. 
37% of Americans take less than seven vacation days a year. Only 14% of Americans take two weeks of vacation a year. Think of that stat. 14%, that's crazy. 20% of us stay in touch while we're away. Got to check in at the office, taking a vacation, but you still got to check in at the office, which causes us to always be on and we don't know how to rest. But we're also busy with leisure and entertainment. Uh, We fill our lives, we sometimes overfill our lives with good things, work, friends, hobbies, even church. We tend to crowd out our spiritual lives. As we've been quoting throughout this series, the brilliant author and theologian Dallas Willard, he said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. I've been talking to people about this series this week and I realized that as I talk to them, this series boils down to really two big ideas. Two great challenges to living an unhurried life. Do you want to know what they are? The first is time, and the second is money. Time and money. Time and money. These are, the, these are like, the I think, the greatest hurdles. There's lots of other things. There's social media. There's other things we get involved in. There's, there's all the pace of our culture. But really, time and money, when, it, when everything boils down to it, how we deal with time, people just say, I, I just have so much going on, you know? I just can't quite fit it all in. Money, I, here's, the, here's the phrase, I just can't afford to slow down. I can't afford to take a day off. And that's a, real, that's a reality for a lot of people. You feel it. You feel it in, in your own economic situation. But here's, here's, and there's some problems with this. There's some problems with time and money, all right? I wanna just hit a few of them. Here's the problems. There is competition for our time and attention. There's competition for our time and attention. Here's how Jesus said it in Matthew 6. He said, no one could serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? He's, it's, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is yes, life is much about much more than just those things. But here's, the, here's the, the rub, right? The majority of our time is spent working for most of us. Working. And listen, working is not a bad thing. God put man in the garden in Genesis 1 and 2 to work it. Right? So it's, but you know the saying, time is money. You know that saying? Our obsession with time and money is really the battle for our attention. The obsession with time and money is really the battle for our attention. God knows we need money to live, right? He doesn't want, he just doesn't want us to give our allegiance to it. He doesn't want us to make it first. For the Christian, Jesus makes it clear, you can't serve God and money. You gotta pick one. You've got to choose. And that means God has a real strong opinion about how you spend your 
time, about what it looks like to spend your time. Could you work and honor God instead of work and honor money? Here's another problem. We believe, that the, we believe the lie of more is better. More is better. Here's a, here's a verse on this. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says, better one, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Tranquility and toil are descriptions of how time can be managed. King Solomon, he's called the wisest man in the scriptures, in the, 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 man who, the wisest man who ever lived. He seems to say more is not always better. And in fact, this verse indicates that there is tranquility in having less. The big question in our American culture is how much is enough? And for far too many of us, we can't answer that question. There's one last problem. Our time is limited. Everybody say limited. limited. Psalm 39, 4 through 5 says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire life is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Whew. Powerful words. The psalmist was reminding us of how short life really is. I don't know about you. As I as I get older, it's like life is speeding up. It's like it used to take a long time to do everything. Now everything goes really fast, and it's kind of freaking me out. But I, I want I want you to see that since time is a limited resource, we are forced to prioritize. You and I have to prioritize. We're challenged to choose. In this series, we've talked about accepting our limitations, right? You, you, you have to accept your limitations if you are going to prioritize. Think about budgets. Nobody likes Mr. Budget. Think about speed limits. Think about days off, even. There is more freedom in a budget than in a mountain of debt. There's more safety in slowing down than in speeding up. There's more physical, emotional, and mental health in a Sabbath day than becoming a workaholic. See, you and I have to come to grips with this. So who is setting the pace of your life in regards to time and money? Who's setting the pace with this? Is it your boss? Is he setting the pace? She's setting the pace? Is it your spouse? How about your greed? Is that setting the pace? Your insecurity, your fears, your career, your dreams, the cause you live for, your significance? Is that what's setting the pace? We have to take a look at this. And so as I began to think about these two answers, time and money, I I realized that there are two practical and biblical solutions that deal directly with our time and with our money. Two really big ideas in the Bible that deal with time and money. And I'm gonna give them to you today. I'm gonna gonna deal with the first one, Sabbath. Sabbath, a weekly 24-hour period of rest, worship, and delight. 
Sounds delightful, doesn't it? The second is tithing. The consistent practice of being a percentage giver. Now the first one you guys went, wah, wah, Sabbath. And then the second one you were like, whoa, what are you talking about here? Okay, I'm not gonna deal with, I'm not gonna deal with tithing today. We'll deal with that next week. But today I wanna talk to you about Sabbath. Today I want to talk to you about the meaning and the purpose and the idea of how you were wired and how I was wired, how creation is wired. Look at this. Let's start with Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 31 through 2, 3 says, then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. Very good. An evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Now, listen, we already know God is a worker. He goes to work creating all this incredible world and the cosmos and the universe we live in. He makes animals and men, man and woman, and, and it's all very, very good. After six days of work, he's finished. He finishes with creation. You thought you had a productive week. God had a productive week, and he was done. And then after the work, God rested. Just let that sink in for a second. God rested. Yeah, but I'm an entrepreneur. You don't understand, Pastor Ross. Yeah, but I, I, I'm getting my master's degree. You don't understand. Yeah, yeah, but I'm a type A personality, Pastor Ross. The word rested in Hebrew is Shabbat. Everybody say it with me. Shabbat. It means stop, cease, be done. It's where we get the word Sabbath. It also means to be complete, also translated as to celebrate. So God, who doesn't need a nap, God, who doesn't need sleep, in fact, he, the Bible says he watches over you when you sleep. He's working even when you don't know it. He doesn't need a vacation that's not the purpose of his rest. He wasn't worn out. He wasn't tired. He wasn't dragging his feet. You know, he wasn't just being grumpy. It's like, whew, man, I just got to take a break. That, that wasn't the point. God, unlike anyone else in all creation, rested. He was setting a tone. He was setting a rhythm now, we are made in God's image. We are image bearers. Are you guys still with me? Yes. Okay, because so I'm, I'm heading somewhere cool here next because I want you to really pay attention. We are image bearers, and that means we're made to reflect, to mirror what God is like in this world. We mirror what God is like in this world. When God rested, he hardwired a rhythm into creation, six and one, six and one, six days of work and one day of rest. And that cadence can help you and I 
stay healthy and make us flourish. Here's how God set it up in the original rules, all right? So, so, so what we read was the creation story. Now he comes to the handing out of the 10 commandments and here it is, Exodus 20, verse eight through 11 says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. In other words, that holy word would mean set apart, keeping it different. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, in Exodus, in the Ten Commandments, Sabbath is rooted in the idea of creation. God rested, you rest. Forty years later, everybody say it, forty years later, (laughs) a new generation is ready to possess the promised land. So a new generation is going into the promised land. Deuteronomy chapter five, verse 15 says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Okay, so a little wording different, difference here. Remember, hey, don't forget, this is what you're supposed to do. And now it's like, hey, they've forgotten. Observe it. He's giving an order, he says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. God was interested in everybody embracing this rhythm, not just the rich, not just the poor, everybody. Remember, I love this, now here it is, look at this. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. See, here, Check this out, Sabbath is not rooted in creation. Instead, it's rooted in the Exodus story, the miracle of God setting his people free. So the act of Sabbath becomes an act of defiance against Egypt and Pharaoh and slavery. It's it's an act of defiance against the way that they lived in the land of Egypt. And here's the thing I want you to get today. The Sabbath is about rest and resistance. Rest and resistance. Resistance to the hurried ways of the world around us. Resistance to constant, the constant crushing speed of the culture in our day. And that's what I find as I have conversation is people are trying to figure out how to do this, but they are carried away by the speed of the culture around them. And we've got to find ways to resist 
Got to find ways to resist what's happening. Here's how author John Mark Comer says it. He says, at Sinai, which is the giving of the Ten Commandments, that's where the Ten Commandments were given. This is the mountain where God came and gave it to Moses. At Sinai, it's a way of saying yes to God in his world. In Deuteronomy, it's a way of saying no to Egypt and its system. At Sinai, it's an invitation to join God in his delight, right? So, so what his point is here is, he's like saying, at the first 10 commandment offering, it's God is asking them to join him in the delight of this creation in this world. But in Deuteronomy, it's a warning. You gotta stay away from Egypt's way of life. Now there's all sorts of fun discussion about whether or not we should keep the Sabbath as New Testament believers. Some of you have been Christians a while, you understand there's an Old Testament idea of Sabbath and then a New Testament idea of Sabbath. Jesus himself broke the Sabbath on purpose, I believe, to just kind of rub it in the faces of the religious people who were highlighting rules over relationships. That's the reason Jesus did that, is he was trying to reestablish really what the Sabbath is about. It's about liberation. It's about life. It's about relationship with God. It's about resting in who he is and his power and his provision. Jesus was trying to reestablish that, interestingly enough, counterculturally by breaking it. And so, and so anyway, I, I think when people argue too much about this, they kind of miss the big point of the scripture. They miss the big rhythm of life that we're talking about here. Exodus 16, 29 says, bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. So I just think we ought to bear this in mind that it's one of the big 10. <laughs> and then Jesus really worked on how to recover the Sabbath. But it's a gift from God is what I want you to hear. It is a gift. It's, I get to rest. I get to be refreshed and refuel my life. I get to pause once a week. I get to slow down. I want to remind you that the Sabbath, think about this, the Sabbath predates Old Testament law. Creation. Sabbath actually predates sin. It was established before sin even came into the world. Sabbath is a big, big concept. Don't get, too, don't get too bent out of shape about the rules of Sabbath. But you do have to figure out how to embrace the relationship of Sabbath, the rest of Sabbath, in order to resist everything that's carrying us away as God's people we have to be the ones who mirror the rest, the established confidence that God is who he says he is, that God is going to provide, even though I don't quite see it, we rest in that confidence. There's something powerful about that. On a Sabbath day, I get to say, I am enough. On a Sabbath day, I get to say, I don't earn God's love and favor. It's not something I work on. I can't, I can't actually do that. Because he gives us his love and favor. All we do is receive it. 
I get to do this. I get to participate in Sabbath because it's a gift and it's wisdom. The Sabbath is not an imposition. It's an essential delivery mechanism for God's love. You don't believe me. The Sabbath is not an imposition to you. Oh, I gotta get this, I gotta schedule it. Yes, you do. But it's not an imposing on you. It's a gift to you. And it's an essential delivery mechanism for resting in the love that God has for you. Sabbath keeping is a way of life. There's no real right way to do this, okay? Remember, God... God resting predates the Old Testament, so it's more of a rhythm in creation than a rule in a book. It's a rhythm of creation rather than a rule in a book. Walter Brueggemann, which is an incredible writer, he said, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. People who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. This is exactly what Jesus was talking about in, the key, in our key scripture that we've been wrestling through throughout this series. Will you read it out loud with me? Like as we put it on the screen, let's read it together. Go ahead, put it up there, Alejandro. Are you tired? Come on, say it with me. Worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Listen, it's so easy to find our identity in the other things that we do. Why is it so difficult to find this rhythm of grace in Jesus? Why is the idea of Sabbath such a challenge? Well, I think there are three resistance mindsets we've got to grab a hold of if we want to capture an unhurried way of life in the practice of Sabbath. Three resistance mindsets because you're going to have to resist in order to rest. You're going to have to resist in order to rest. Number one, identity not utility. If you think that the Sabbath is just a way for you to get more production, that's a very American way to think. In The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey said, sharpen the saw. It was one of the habits. You gotta stop, stop working, sharpen the saw. Great idea, not the Sabbath. It's not the same thing. See, it's tempting to see your relationship with God through the lens of what you can do for him. Nobody, nobody wrestles with this more than a pastor. And uh, for the first five years of one chapel, I wrestled weekly with my value, my significance, my identity. I didn't have it settled. I was placing my identity in how effective the church was. I was putting my identity in how big the church was. I really worked on settling that over, over a few years. And then 
came COVID. (laughs) And I had to learn it all over again. Listen, you and I have to settle who we are in order to practice the Sabbath in the way it was meant. See, if your self-worth is based on your production or your accomplishments, you'll never be satisfied, which means you'll never practice Sabbath. You'll never find that place where you say, no, this is, I gotta, I gotta make sure this is enough and I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop. You have to keep producing more, working harder, accomplishing more to fill the void. Sabbath is not a utilitarian tool that God gave us to be more productive. Even though sometimes it does have that effect because I think very often when I slow down and I rest on the Sabbath, I get new ideas that I never thought of before. I think that does happen. Instead, the Sabbath is a gift of love that helps us know that God values us far more than what we can produce. Your value is inherent in who you are. Are you a finished product? No. Are you in process? Sure you are. Are you wrestling with stuff in your life? Absolutely. But when you say, I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna rest in the love God has for me by practicing this spiritual discipline of Sabbath, something's gonna change inside you. You're gonna confront something, a utilitarian mindset about your value only being in what you produce. God is happy with you. He's happy to know you. You can't really produce anything that he needs anyway. He invites you into his work because he loves you and he wants you to know him. The Sabbath slows us down enough to remember who we truly are. I love how Eugene Peterson says it. He says, God is not interested in you simply as an inanimate object to wield in this world, but as a partner in wonder. Are you a partner with God in wonder? Such a powerful idea. The second resistance mindset you have to develop is consistency, not intensity. Consistency, not intensity. Listen, Simon Sinek has this great quote. Simon Sinek is a a, a thought leader, really brilliant guy. He said, intensity can never replace consistency, but we try to do it all the time. How do we do it? January, all the gyms are full. (laughs) February, it's over. (laughs) We tried with intensity to do the workout thing. I'm going to work out and then you walk around sore for a few days but you don't have any consistency so it doesn't last. Consistency cannot be replaced by intensity. It happens in our spiritual lives. Oh, I'm going to see God. Like I'm going to read my Bible like every day. I'm going to spend like an hour and a half and I'm going to do it. It lasts for about three days. Your intensity should never replace consistency. Six and one, six and one, six and one. Here's the, God doesn't want to make it hard. Like work six days, work hard. And the American model of, of a, a day off comes in something called vacation. You guys ever experienced this? Like, but here's, here's the rhythm of an American worker. 
work 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 vacation you guys didn't think that was too funny did you it's because it's so true God has a rhythm and he wired it into creation he wired it into you it's pre-law it predates the sinfulness of our world enter into it it'll help you number three resistance mindset for rest is preparation not inspiration we all kind of want we have our image of the perfect day off do you know what I'm saying? It's like we can see the perfect Instagram filter of that sunrise and the sunset and the beauty of playing with the kids, you know, in our perfectly manicured lawn. Our living room that looks like it was ripped right out of restoration hardware store and it's just like we can see it. It's going to be perfect. Sabbath almost never happens that way. You gotta work for it. You gotta, you, you know what happened? On the day before Sabbath, everybody had to run around and work and make sure that they had everything ready for the next day. It's hard work. We talked about this last week a little bit. But like all spiritual disciplines, the development of a habit means every week it's a little less hard. And it's not like you have to do it every day. You're not preparing for the Sabbath every single day, but you learn how to work it into your schedule. Oh, I know I'm gonna take that day off, so I'm gonna do this today. You start to think like this. You start to process, you, you, you establish a process that unleashes life. And you start to enter into it and it becomes easier. It's kind of like, are any of you doing Super Bowl parties today? Yeah. Guess what? Bunch of people, bunch of people are with us online because you need to prepare for your Super Bowl party. But I'm so grateful that you joined us. Like, what an awesome thing it is for you to be here. But listen, we all, like, if you got a Super Bowl party, guess what you did yesterday? You made all kinds of stuff. You, made all, you tried to figure out where you could get wings from because there's a shortage. Like you're, do, like you're doing all this and Super Bowl party can be like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to get everything ready for the Super Bowl party. I gotta get the chips and the dip and the wings and the stuff and the And then you get there and then the game sucks and then everybody's like, burr, burr. <laughs> nice bean dip. <laughs> Sabbath is so much better than that. Like when you work, you work to get Sabbath. I want you to think about Sabbath as Super Sabbath. It's like, it's like all that stuff, but you do it every week. And as you do it every week, you, it's, it's easier and easier and it just becomes part of your life. It establishes a routine and it's beautiful. Here's what Jesus, and listen, it is a bit of a sacrifice. There's a bit of a sacrifice in preparation. Jesus said in Mark 2, 27, he said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This is for your benefit this is a gift of love. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus himself said, if, you're, if, if your donkey goes in a ditch on the Sabbath, you go get it. It's no big deal. Don't stress out if you didn't do it right the first week. All you high performers, overachievers, 
Okay, so you had to do a little bit of work, but then you, you put it away and you, and you set the clock. I do it Friday 6 p.m. to Saturday 6 p.m. That's what I do. My, my team kind of knows this. 6 p.m., and, and a lot of our team has tried to install it uh, at varying levels of success, but on Saturday night, they can see the slacks are coming from me. <laughs> Because I've thought about things, and then I just, but I'm not doing them, and then six o'clock, I'm getting ready. I'm thinking about Sunday now. I've had my 24 hours. But I put it away. I do the best I can. And for the New Testament Christian, what Jesus is saying is every day is holy. Oh, don't forget that. Every day is set apart for him. But he loves that you work, that you're a hard worker. That's why this series is not about being a, a lousy worker. Yeah, this, is, this is not a, a series about don't work anymore and just hang out and chill out and watch TV. No, this is unhurried. Even when you're working hard, even when you're doing a lot, even when life is crammed in for you, you have established some boundaries that you're not gonna violate and you're gonna welcome interruption because you know that Sabbath is coming. And you're gonna stop, and what you do as you start to develop this stopping routine is you know that even though you stopped for 24 hours and you thought you had to get it done, but you decided, nope, I'm gonna put that off to next week. And then you realize nobody died. <laughs> the world did not blow up. <laughs> there was no Armageddon because you didn't get that report in. So here it is, here's the thing. You don't have to keep Sabbath. You get to keep Sabbath. Sabbath is a 24-hour weekly rest with no have-tos. Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time in which we stop, everybody say stop. We stop work, we enjoy rest, say rest. We practice delight, say delight. And contemplate God, say contemplate. A Sabbath is not a day off. It looks different. A day off is when you stop doing work for your employer or you, you, you've finished all your other work at home and so you stop. You, you, it's good and necessary uh, when you work at home, but that's not Sabbath either. Most of you, when you get on a, a Sabbath routine, you'll start to replace your paid-for work with a bunch of unpaid work. That's where you'll go first because you're addicted to it. But here's what you want to get to. The filter for Sabbath rest is worship, it's rest, and it's delight. It's like when you finish a long day of hard work in the yard. You ever do this? And you get done, and you sit down in your patio, and you look at your yard, and how all the weeds are perfectly the same size, so you can't see them. <laughs> Sorry, am I, am I the only one? And you kick back, and you have a nice cold beverage, and you're just like... Yeah, that's what Sabbath is. Yeah. Four practical steps for Sabbath, and we're gonna worship God for a moment. I want you to enter into this. Four practical steps, here they are. Number one, stop. Cease, stop working, and take a break. Both paid and unpaid work. There's a store in New York City, it's called B&H. And they're owned by Jewish people. And they practice Sabbath even on their website. They shut their website down. They shut their website down 
And so what happens is they, they have this banner that comes across their website and it says, we are able to stop because we respond to a higher authority. You guys, you got to stop. You have to stop. Number two, rest. Allow your body, your mind, your soul to slow down and get in touch with God. Exhale from all the busyness. Sabbath is for engaging in activities that restore and replenish us. Napping, biking, reading, eating great food, hanging out with kids, hobbies, whatever. But you enter into rest. Number three, delight. God invites us to join in the celebration. He invites us to enjoy and delight in his creation. In Genesis, he says it's all very good. It's not a, it's all very good, he says, it's not an anemic afterthought. Like, it's a joyful recognition. It's a joyous response to God that everything is good. And then finally, contemplate. Ponder the love and goodness of God. It's not just a nice day at the beach, not just a nice day at the park. Sabbath gets us in touch with the idea that God is in charge, working, and we are loved. And we are loved. We're looking at the grandeur of God in everything. People, food, art, babies, sports, hobbies, music. We're looking at it all and we're seeing it through the lens of what God has done. In New York City, there's this big structure in midtown Manhattan, right there where the uh, Rockefeller Center is. It's called Atlas and it's from Greek mythology. And he's, he's, he's there and he's holding the world. He's holding the world kind of right in the middle of the financial district like we hold the world on our shoulders. Actually, it was a curse that he had to hold the world up. If you didn't understand Greek mythology, it was a curse. It didn't require courage. And so, interestingly enough, across the street, Fifth Street, right across from Rockefeller Center is St. Patrick's Cathedral. And at St. Patrick's Cathedral, there's this inconspicuous little tiny statue of a humble child, the Christ child. And he's effortlessly holding the world in his hand. These are the two worldviews, and you have to choose one. You have to choose one. Choose Jesus.